Hi, everyone. Welcome to Leader to Leader with Jennifer Zock. Today, I'm in conversation with Rebecca Ladeen, author of the book, The Mind-Body Stress Reset, with a foreword by master teacher Kathy Kane and endorsed by Somatic Experiencing founder Peter Levine. Rebecca has spent 25 years in the field of embodied well-being. After working in therapeutic yoga and mindfulness for 15 years, she studied mind-body medicine at Saybrook University, where she conducted clinical research in somatic self-regulation. She studied trauma therapy with Somatic Experiencing International, where she now assists students in their training. When Rebecca is not writing or assisting students and supporting countless people in increasing their mind-body wellness, she can be found on the radio, YouTube, and teaching workshops internationally. Rebecca lives with her husband, two daughters, and their puppy dog. I invite you to settle in wherever and however you like to listen to podcasts and get ready for some invaluable tips and tricks on weathering life's stressful events. Good morning, Rebecca. Thank you for joining me today all the way from Stockholm. It's great to be here. Thank you so much for having me. And yes, it is afternoon where I am and good morning, afternoon or evening to your listeners. Hello. (laughs) (laughs) I learned about you, Rebecca, when I read your book, The Mind-Body Stress Reset. And I loved how you wrote for the layperson. Hmm. You made the subject of somatics, I think, very approachable for people hmm. in their day to day lives. That attracted my attention because my focus is on bringing somatics to leaders and really having somatics understood as an essential leadership skill. Mm -hmm. And I'd like to start by asking you, Rebecca, what inspired you to write your book? Mm, Yes. So I really appreciate that you recognized it's written in an accessible way and that it's for anyone, not just maybe folks that are therapists or coaches, not just folks that have studied uh, physiology or neurobiology, but that are just people who are struggling. So I came to the work because I was a person who was struggling a lot. Of course, I'm still a person who struggles, but now less so, hooray, hooray. Um, And so I, I had read a lot of literature during graduate school, read many books, some very, very academic and some maybe we could say fairly academic. And I felt like there was actually a gap in the literature or in the books that you would find in your bookstore um, that there was something missing with a tone that was friendly, real, down to earth. I joke a lot in the book, even though you know, stress and trauma is not a joking matter. We're still, I think, as human beings, able to benefit from finding 
you know, the parts of life that are mysterious and even funny at times and balance that with the parts of life that are really hard and really need our attention and, um, and our realness, our authenticity. So I sat down after conducting research in graduate school, I had a, you know, nearly 200 page, entirely dry, entirely academic thesis that I writ that I wrote and presented. And, um, I thought, I want to turn this into something that is its opposite, not a completely dry academic thesis, but actually a manual for anyone out there who has a hard time, maybe regularly or bumps into hard times once in a while, or knows that they go in and out of hard times rhythmically, and that it's something that they really, they need to um, keep a toolkit available to them so that they can help themselves as well as seeking help from professionals, of course, but so that they feel like, hey, I've got some things I can do for myself wherever I am, whatever I'm doing. So that was that was the kind of basic inspiration behind the book. Well, I think you uh, definitely accomplished what you set out to do. And I know in my own executive coaching practice, I one of the the tools, and you provide so many in the book, one of the tools I share with my my own clients is the seeing and sensing tool. Mm. And I find, and what I hear from them is that they are going on to teach it to others, which oh, I think great. is fabulous. And the other thing that I hear from clients that is that they are just pleasantly surprised how much they are able to apply these skills, not only in their professional lives, but in their personal lives as well. Good. Great. Yes. The seeing and sensing tool is, um, it's one that is so effective. And I think it catches some people by surprise how much it can kind of change the channel or turn down the volume on the stress in the brain. When we go into stress reactivity, when we're in fight or flight or freeze or shut down or that appease fawning state, mm -hmm. our amygdala takes over and stories from before begin to kind of broadcast in our in our mind, even kind of in front of our eyes, definitely in our ears and certainly throughout our body. So anything in the immediate environment that reminds us even a little, and I do mean a very little of something we've experienced before that was really difficult for us, mm -hmm. our brain's going to pull up that really difficult memory from before and kind of overlay it on whatever's happening right now. So, you know, someone looking at us in a accusing way, suddenly we remember a time from long ago, maybe we were children and we felt really overpowered and like we had no options to stand up for ourselves. And that kind of facial expression of whomever it was that we felt overpowered by all those years ago can actually kind of morph into the person that we're across from. All of this is completely unconscious or sounds in the environment. If we're in an emergency situation and the sounds trigger some kind of a auditory memory, then sounds from before overlay on what we're hearing right now. And 
as well through the sensations, our body begins to recognize maybe a subtle increase in heartbeat to a pounding heart rate where we feel like adrenaline is surging through us and there's no option but to, you know, fight for ourselves or run for our lives. And so simply taking that pause to see what's really here right now, hear what's here right now, feel what's happening right now can actually regulate the amygdala. So there's, there's, neurochemistry behind this. There's actually the neurological structures of the brain support that when we move into sensing mode, we actually down-regulate that fight-flight reactivity in the amygdala. And then, oh, my body doesn't feel like all the muscles are tensing and preparing to fight or flee. Now I just feel a little reactive, a little perturbed or a little confused or I start to see what's actually in front of me or hear what's actually around me. And again, the eyes and ears start to see and hear just today, just right now, so that all those slideshows or soundscapes from yesteryear don't take over and confuse me, convincing me that then is now and or that both then and now are happening at the same time. Last thing I'll add to this in that happening at the same time idea is that the stress brain, once it fully takes over, has no sense of time. So the different stresses we've experienced that remind us of today can all begin to flood our system and we can actually begin to feel, it's, it's, it's an unconscious sense that, it's all happening at the same time. What happened last year? What happened when we were 10? What happened when we were in college? And right now is all happening at the same time. And of course, that's totally overwhelming for our nervous system, for our stress brain and our body. So as much as we can come into the here and now through seeing and sensing, we can down-regulate our system, we can soothe the body, we can more accurately perceive with the mind, eyes and ears, and help ourselves through just dealing with what's actually happening right in front of us. Yeah, that's so true. And, you know, just orienting to the present and being able to uh, get out of that tunnel vision exactly. and see the resources that are available to us that we can't see when the amygdala is in charge. Exactly. Because just what you're saying, the, the other byproduct of the amygdala taking over is that it's wired to figure out what's the problem mm -hmm. and identify that to the exclusion of everything else. So even if something really okay, really good is happening in addition to that stressful thing, once stress brain has taken over, we will unconsciously tune out the okay stuff. And so then we really feel like everything right now is terrible. I'm really in a difficult spot. If we can widen out, I often, envision for folks that watched cartoons when they were little and Bugs Bunny would pull that little black circle wider and wider and wider, uh -huh. make his, his <laughs> background bigger and bigger. It's like 
that we're pulling our tunnel vision as wide as we can to see, okay, yeah, there is something difficult happening. I'm not going to delude myself or pretend that that's not here, Mm -hmm. but also there's something kind of neutral happening in most moments. And often there are also things that are pleasant resources, as you're saying, things that are really good happening, even in stressful moments. And that helps our nervous system tremendously from tripping into nothing good is happening. Nothing's okay here. Widening out to see, all right, we've got some of each. We're going to make it through. Yeah. And that reminds me of something that you, a couple of things that you write in the book that the, you know, spiraling stress storm. I hope I'm remembering that right. Yeah. Yeah. And I just thought that was a great way of, again, making the content accessible to people and yeah. helping them, them understand. I also noticed in the book, a theme of safe enough. Yeah. Would you unpack that for uh, myself and the listeners, please? Absolutely. Yeah. Safe enough really dovetails on this idea that um, if things are in the bad column for my nervous system, then I can fall into it's all bad. And then I might end up getting on a kind of pendulum where I depend on things being all good in order to get out of all bad, if you see what I mean. And I'm swinging to these extremes inside my my brain and body. Mm -hmm. And so this idea of good enough, safe enough, okay enough, is this reassuring quest or, or reassuring experience that I can usually find, you listeners can usually find that helps our system recognize, all right, there is some ability that I have to to find ease here. I don't need to look for the extremes of all pleasure or all pain. I can hang out in pretty okay. And it's, it's this um, gentle on-ramp, so to speak, to taking in resource. So in a, in a funny way, to our brain, something that's really, really exciting hits centers that are also hit when things are really, really stressful. So even excitement is stress to parts of our body and brain. If we want to help ourselves recover from stress, we can do that more easily through these gentle on-ramps. Like, let's just find okay enough. Let's just find safe enough and start there. And then the body-mind system gains a little mm, trust, I would say, in, all right, this is workable and this is... um, metabolizable or take inable, so to speak, the system doesn't feel blown out by this. And little by little, we actually gain greater capacity to take in more pleasant. You'd be surprised, but many people who have experienced quite a lot of extreme stress actually have a hard time taking in pleasant joy, 
excitement, pleasure. It's actually hitting that overwhelm button. So we're doing this slow inclination, inclining our body and mind toward pleasant through okay enough. And then the other thing, in addition to this kind of easy does it, less is more approach, mm-hmm. is that we can get stuck in not seeing these subtler shades or subtler experiences of okay enough unless we practice it. If we don't go looking for it, our stress brain absolutely won't recognize it. And if we don't teach our regulated brain what it looks like, feels like, sounds like, smells like, tastes like, all those things, Mm -hmm. it doesn't have pathways that relate to it. And so developing a relationship to okay enough is a gift to our nervous system, as well as something really attainable. If you ask a very stressed person, all right, tell me about your favorite activity. You know, it's just, it's too jarring. It's actually too big of a leap. And it feels like I don't even have favorite activities right now. I've been living in extreme stress for five years. You know, I don't know. Mm -hmm. But if we set the bar much lower, it's that way that we would take a scared child And if they came into our room, you know, my kids used to pad into my room at night after they'd had a scary dream. I wouldn't sit up and say, everything's great. Hooray, hooray. You're fine. You're fine. (laughs) That would startle them. I would sit up and say, hey, you're okay. Come on over here. Sit on my lap. Does Mm -hmm. that feel all right? That's safe enough. That's the feeling of, okay, I can transition from my scary dream to my mom's lap and kind of soften into, all right, this is okay enough and let my nervous system trust the experience it's having right now. So it's, it's available, it's attainable, and it's gentle for our stressed systems. Yeah. I, one of my clients that I worked with and when she used this, I immediately thought of your, your book and how spot on you were with your title, because she talked about how she could reset herself Mm. at any point in the day. Mm -hmm. She didn't have to carry that heavy burden, heavy weight of an unregulated nervous system that also impacted the rest of her day Mm -hmm. and how she interacted with her team, her, her clients, um, her work, you know, any, and, and all of the above. Mm -hmm. And I'm curious, Rebecca, what would be your words of advice to knowing that many of our listeners here our, our leaders in the business community, what would be, if you could only give them, you know, one piece of advice, what would that be? And on top of that, what would you recommend as a first step in that direction? Okay, great question. So resetting is this skill we need because it is not automatic. 
in our nervous system, body and brain. Getting into stress is unconscious and automatic. We all know that our bodies just do it. Our brains just do it. Leaders, of course, experience, whoa, this is happening right now. And so we need to manually, so to speak, shift ourselves back down, back out of that intense stress reaction. That's what your client is calling a reset. That's what the mind body reset book is teaching about. So I, I think the most important thing I want to say is the fact that we all leaders and everyone else get stressed and are pulled into stress reactivity by our body and brain is not a problem. That's not what we're trying to solve. That's going to happen. Mm-hmm. The work is to know how to recognize that's happening for you, which I'll talk more about in a minute, and to have skills and tools that work for you, that are catered to you, by you, that help your unique system come back. So my somatic experiencing teachers, the work of Peter Levine, yes, always say getting into stress is not a problem. The skill is getting back out of it. So really that's what we're working with is how to get back out, which we could call a reset. Mm -hmm. So knowing your stress signature, as I call it in the book, and there are charts and questionnaires that you can go through in that book to help you identify what are your signature markers of stress. But briefly noticing what happens in your body when you're at low, medium, and high stress. What happens to your breathing? What happens to your heart rate? What happens to your body temperature? What happens to your muscle tension? Those are just some of the questions to ask yourself. Mm -hmm. What begins to happen in your mind? Do your thoughts race? Do they slow to a halt? Do you feel like you move into that tunnel vision or like you actually can't focus at all? Mm -hmm. So do you start to talk really fast? Do you start to communicate incredibly slowly and everyone loses focus? It's this important question. Your nervous system is coping in its own unique way and there's no better or worse in stress signature. But once you know some of your cues and you'll learn more as you go with your awareness practice, with your mindfulness practice, you'll learn more to identify, ah, I'm starting to go into stress reaction. Then you'll be able to to kind of use the tool that seems best for you. So what I mean is, and these are all outlined in much more detail in the book. And if you find any of this that I'm saying like, hmm, this is speaking to me, I really do recommend that you get the book or check it out from the library or borrow it from Jennifer, (laughs) find it wherever (laughs) you can to to give yourself time to learn more about these tools. So um, of course it's, it's on audible also, so you don't have to read it. If you don't have time for sitting and reading, you can listen to it on the go, but, but some of the things that we each experiment with is okay. If I know I move into tunnel vision and I start, you know, hearing ringing in my ears, for example, when I'm really stressed, then I'm going to use some seeing and sensing, right? That's the, first tool I'm going to try to see if I can come back to what's happening right now. 
Can I hear the people in the room? Can I see this environment around me? And hopefully recognize like we were just saying, it is safe enough, even if it's stressful, are there parts of this environment that are safe enough, okay enough for right now? If I know that what happens is my body begins to tense and my stomach turns in knots and I start to feel like my throat grows dry, I'm going to use more of this, where is some part of my body that is okay enough, even if it is maybe just slightly okay. Or sometimes really the truth is there is only one part of me that's slightly less not okay than the other parts of me. It's really meeting yourself where you are. Okay, I've got a couple parts of me that are slightly less not okay, and I'm going to breathe into those, be with those for a moment so that I can feel, ah, that incredible tension that I was starting to feel in my legs, preparing my body unconsciously to run out of this meeting mm-hmm. can soften a little because I identified some of the felt experience of okay-ish, okay enough. Another thing is if you know that you start to experience movies in the mind, as I call them in the book, where you are in a really difficult meeting and something goes awry and your mind starts to remember that last time that this same or similar thing went awry and it starts to play the conversation from last month or last term or last year, last decade and kind of these films of maybe failed experiences or maybe just really stressful experiences that never quite resolved start to flash for you you might want to work with your image toolkit. And I talk about that a lot in the book, but it's figuring out a calm, quiet place where you can actually work with those images that keep popping up for you. I've always worked with clients that say, oh my gosh, every time my supervisor gets mad at me or every time my subordinate starts to get reactive, I get these flashes in the mind of these particularly bad meetings that I've had or bad events that I've led. Mm-hmm. And the that kind of reoccurring flash of negative memory or stressful memory is so common. It's one of the things that the brain encodes to protect us. And really technically speaking, these are in a similar category to what we call flashbacks. And we recognize well in combat veterans, for example, they hear a car backfire on the street and then they start to have images of war flash in front of their mind. And then they hit the deck and are on their stomach on the sidewalk before anybody knows what's going on. Mm -hmm. That's the body trying to protect you by recognizing signals in the environment that represent real danger for you and move you into automatic reactivity. So if you have flashes of difficult work memories or difficult personal life memories, learn this imagery tool that I talk about a lot in the book and work with re-scripting or reconfiguring is one of the ways that the scientific literature talks about it. Reconfiguring those memories, there are all kinds of studies conducted on how we can actually change the way those memories affect our body. We're not changing history. We're not changing reality. We're not lying to ourselves or pretending. Mm -hmm. We're working with the images in a skillful way to change the way they feel 
in our body when we think of them, when they come up in the mind. Mm -hmm. um, so those are just two examples of the toolkit. Another last one I'll share is that if you know that, gosh, I start to hold my breath or I start to hyperventilate, I recommend you become familiar with the breathing tool that I talk about a lot in the book and practice rhythmic breathing when you're not stressed. So your body can begin to identify, oh, this is what full and easy, relaxed breaths feel like, because a lot of bodies don't know. A lot of people live in bodies that don't spend a lot of time breathing in a relaxed and long and easy way. Mm -hmm. So if you feel like, hmm, that rings true for me, learn some skills, whether it's directly from my book or from another book, there are many resources on breathing that will help you familiarize your body and brain with easy breaths in and easy breaths out, which corresponds directly to your nervous system. Every time you breathe in, you subtly increase what's called your sympathetic nervous system, which is your get ready to respond nervous system. And every time you breathe out, you subtly impact and aid your parasympathetic, which is your get ready to settle and rest nervous system. And so if you have a relationship between get up and go part of you and ah, settle down and rest part of you, if those two are connected inside of you, you will be able to weather stressful events more effectively while they're happening and you'll be able to recover from them. This is probably, I hope, one of the tools your client was using, Jennifer, who talked about resetting, is that your body develops a relationship between stress reactivity and stress recovery or resilience. And that becomes something that's those pathways are so familiar after practice. And it takes time. I don't want to set a fantasy out, you know, two days and you'll never have a difficult time recovering from stress again. It takes time, but your body becomes familiar with the relationship between reactivity and resilience. And that becomes something that's encoded and becomes little by little automatic. That's something that we can actually teach ourselves first on a conscious level, and then it happens on an unconscious level. That's what was so inspiring about the research study I conducted mm -hmm. was that it showed, yes, the body really does change when we give ourselves time to encode or imprint these tools, these practices in us. So that's what I would say is find your favorite tools and imprint them in your system and really develop that relationship between stress reactivity and stress resilience. That's excellent. And, you know, I notice in clients that they are, they're doing what you're describing and using, you know, their own language with it. I already spoke of the one leader that used the word reset. Uh, another client that comes to mind is that she became, she described it as more aware of her fight, flight, freeze response. Mm -hmm. And when she, you know, applied tools, then her, you know, her productivity went up. Her relationship with her, with her team was better. There's all sorts of, of benefits to just first keying in 
and noticing when we're going into that fight, flight, freeze. I, when you spoke about breathing, one of the tools in my toolbox is to notice that, you know, if my breath is short, well, then my fuse probably is too. Mm, So I need to, like you said, uh, breathe that deep breathing. And I love, I've never heard that before about how the, the inhale and the, and the exhale with a um, parasympathetic and sympathetic. Mm-hmm. That is very interesting to my, uh, the analytical side of my brain. <laughs> yes, exactly. And it's such a, it's so powerful that we can directly access that parasympathetic and sympathetic through those breaths, because it can feel when we are stressed, very difficult to influence ourselves. That's what these toolboxes, toolkits are all about is, you know, maybe it's a biohack we would say in modern parlance, but it's like, how can I affect my body rather than just letting my body or my stress brain run the show? What can I do intentionally that helps me get through life's challenges? Thankfully, we can do a lot to get through life's challenges. Toxic stress is not a life sentence. Look up Rebecca's book, The Mind-Body Stress Reset, wherever you like to access books. You can also connect with Rebecca on Facebook or online at RebeccaLadine.com. That address will also be saved in the show notes for you. Thanks for tuning in. Do yourself and the world a favor and stay curious and kind.